Hi everyone, welcome to Exploring Health at Every Size. Today we are talking to Sonia Albin. Sonia is a licensed professional counselor associate specializing in eating disorders and perinatal mental health. And she is joining us from Houston, Texas. So listen along to learn more about her experience working with Health at Every Size, and I hope you enjoy the show. So welcome, Sonia. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being uh, willing to talk today and meet me virtually to kind of talk about Health at Every Size and what that means in the profession and kind of in society. Um, so yeah, why don't we begin, um, if you don't mind, just telling us a little bit about yourself. So a little bit of an introduction for people listening. Sure. So uh, I'm a licensed professional counselor associate in the state of Texas. Um, I, I, I'm a mental health counselor. I work with uh, adults and teenagers. Um, I see a variety of mental health concerns, um, but currently I'm specializing in disordered eating, eating disorders, and perinatal mental health. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I feel like the kind of health at every size framework really fits into all of those areas. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if um, maybe we can, I would love to go into both of those topics kind of separately and delve into those a little bit more. Um, But maybe we can begin by kind of starting to talk about where you kind of found health at every size. Is this more of a new thing in your field and your profession and kind of incorporating that into your work? Or were you maybe taught that in school? Um, I was absolutely not taught that in school. Um, I don't think it's surprising. (laughs) something that comes up in a lot of places. Um, I actually kind of randomly landed a job as a facility coordinator for a treatment center for eating disorders. And that was almost five or six years ago. And as I, as I stayed there, I kind of got into the more clinical side of things. And that really opened my eyes to health at every size, intuitive eating, like I didn't even know what diet culture was. Um, so kind of through the the client's work there, I learned about all of all of this stuff and I kind of started doing my own work around it. And as I, you know, worked on becoming a counselor, it just kind of naturally infiltrated into my work. Yeah. And it's definitely so useful to use that with clients, especially a diverse range of clients as well. Yeah. You know, I think, um, there's a lot of talk around how to be gender inclusive, you know, inclusive of sexuality, race, culture, religion, but there's not a lot of structure around how to be inclusive of size and shape. I really noticed that even still in my schooling today, I actually just had an experience yesterday. I went to a workshop, an inclusivity workshop um, held at the school and it was so interesting and it was so rich, but I realized that they touched on you're right, race, gender, sexuality, but they actually completely did not even bring up size diversity, which I was like, wow, "Wow, it's very, it's very interesting that it's still so taboo and really not talked about um, as much. Yeah. And especially when it affects so many people so negatively. Well, maybe we can go from there. You started working kind of more in eating disorders and you're still doing that within your career today as you have your own private practice. And so how does that show up for you in your private practice? Um, well, of course, with with people with eating disorders, you know, they they come for treatment for that, that purpose. Mm-hmm. And so um, health at every size is something that is is intentionally talked about, intentionally addressed. And there's a lot of psychoeducation that 
goes into it for those kinds of clients and clients with disordered eating. But I think the philosophy can kind of be applied um, almost subconsciously, just like you would provide an affirming environment just in general for anything else. You can do the same for size and shape. So for example, in my practice, you know, I make sure that my seating is appropriate for people of all shapes and, and sizes, um, that my building is accessible, that the restrooms are accessible. You know, I, we don't comment on weight or shape or size. I tell my colleagues about that. You know, we do a lot of education between us. Health at Every Size really provides kind of a, a framework for working with something that it can be so easy to fall into kind of the mainstream commentary. It's interesting to hear about even the granular things that you wouldn't think to think about it, but like chairs or just seating mm-hmm. and just being inclusive in that way where a lot of people with maybe size privilege or a thinner size would just never even think that that would be something to consider or something to worry about when going to a first appointment with a counselor or any other professional. Yeah, I think also people really benefit from a perspective that doesn't demonize their body or their most basic needs and desires around food. You know, I work with a lot of negative behaviors around food and body that can cause really severe health problems. You know, we usually hear about the health problems that size can cause, which is there's a lot of research around that that um, does not support that. Health at every size really provides a basis for improving self-respect, acceptance, and self-esteem, all of which we know can contribute to better mental and therefore physical health. So some of the challenges I see um, lie in the fact that these kinds of approaches like HIAES and intuitive eating, um, they really challenge some deep-rooted beliefs that people have held on to for a very long time. So, you know, diet culture teaches us that our value lies in the size of our body and what we do with it and how we uh, you know, control it. Changing that belief system can feel very scary and very threatening because if, if our value is not in that, then we have to figure out what our value actually lies in. And that's hard work when society doesn't reflect that for us. Yeah. Society doesn't reflect that. I'm sure friends and family, it's like challenging because a lot of people probably think that, you know, diet culture is kind of just the way and that's what's been taught to us. And then you kind of internalize that and internalize that kind of fat phobia and, and place that on yourself. So that's really difficult to get even more kind of granular with clients. How does that happen with clients? Um, It's kind of different depending on the client and where they're at in their process and their own education. It can be really tricky because like coming at a client with too much psychoeducation right off the bat, like imagine if someone came in and told you everything you've ever believed in your whole life about yourself is wrong. That's a lot. That's a lot to process. Um, So you got to take it real slow. You know, of course, the the therapeutic relationship is the most important thing. So you want to make someone feel safe, accepted, even in those kind of diet culture thoughts, holding space for those, and then very, very gently offering a different perspective. Through that work, kind of allowing the client to explore that themselves. You know, once you work with a client and you have the the trust to make a comment like, oh, well, what do you think about size? What do you think about this? What's a different way to think about it? Why do you think you feel that way? And what's the effect of thinking that way? 
And then slowly people will recognize, well, like that's, that's very harmful. Actually, that's led me to all these problems. So I do think it's, it is a very slow process. It's one that you do have to have a lot of patience with because you, you are breaking up an entire belief system that has been created since childhood, since toddlerhood. You know, we talk about toddlers being picky eaters and challenging that with them and not trusting kids' bodies and you know, uh, limiting sugar and using food as reward. I mean, it is so intrinsic in our culture. Um, so yes, it, it can take a very long time. I was actually going to ask, how do you navigate using health at every size with a client who is maybe comes in with a goal of weight loss, or that's, that's what's really going to make them happy. That's what's going to benefit their mental health. That's tricky. It's real tricky. And I think the the important part is focusing on the process versus the goal. So yeah, the desire to be in a smaller body often comes with all those thoughts and beliefs that can be very harmful, but it doesn't have to. So I, I try to support clients in practicing acceptance, respect for their bodies, and also nourishing their bodies, even if there is that desire to change their shape. In whatever process they're in, I encourage them to find joyful movement, to find foods that they like, that they enjoy, to um, not be too rigid around how they're reaching that weight loss. Um, And I do encourage people to work with a dietitian that specializes in eating disorders and disordered eating. Because, you know, as counselors, we have to be very careful about our scope. I'm not qualified to tell you what to eat um, and when to eat, right? I have a general understanding of what can be healthful for you. But especially when there's these kind of clashing ideas or belief systems, it's really helpful to have like extra support around that. Because the desire to lose weight isn't necessarily unhealthy or harmful in itself. Like for a lot of people, like you said, that might be the path to physical or mental well-being. But it's always talking about the behaviors that get us there. So the behaviors around weight loss can actually be supportive of all the philosophies that we're talking about here. And the thought, you know, I I have a lot of clients that come in um, knowing a lot of body positivity right? Like I'm supposed to love my body. I'm supposed to like my body and I just don't. And, you know, I kind of tell them like, that's, that's not necessarily like great. Right. Cause like, can you really love everything all the time and like everything all the time? You know, the, the goal is really to, to respect, right. You can respect your body and not like it. You can feel non-accepting of your body and still respect it right? The goal here is, is neutrality. Yeah. I love that. And I didn't actually, in thinking of this and thinking about these interview questions and stuff, I was thinking, you know, diet culture versus health at every size, but that brings in a whole nother point, the having to have body positivity, or maybe even the toxic positivity that comes with, oh, I have to love myself every single second of every single day. And that, how that, how that is different from acceptance and respect. Yeah, and kind of teaching teaching clients that um, you can have a bad body image day, and that doesn't that doesn't equate your worth or your value as a person. It just means you're kind of just having a bad day around it. And we all have bad days. That's just being mm-hmm. human. <laughs> so, how does this work go into working with perinatal people? So the the perinatal period is very sensitive in terms of the body, right? 
pregnancy and birth are the fastest and most extreme changes that a body can go through, especially birth, like literally from one moment to the next, you are not pregnant anymore. Yeah, birthing people really experience a lot of just a lot of changes. And it can be very, very challenging, you know, especially with with people who have experienced a lot of harmful diet culture or who already kind of have body image issues. So with pregnancy, what I try to do is to kind of hold the changes as very special and almost sacred. There's a lot of focus on nourishing the baby, right? It's all about the baby, but the baby is a part of your body. So really you are nourishing your body and by proxy, you are nourishing the baby, right? So I do try to put a lot of attention on, on the birthing person on like, this is your time to connect with yourself, to ask for what you need to take up space. And it's almost like having the pregnancy, having the baby almost gives people like more permission to do that. It really opens up a space to do a lot of work around self-esteem and around assertiveness that can translate further down the line. So then when the child is born, I don't know if you've, you've experienced pregnancy or you've, you've, you've been around people who have, but all of a sudden, all the focus is on the baby. Like nobody cares about the mother anymore. It's like, you've done your job. Now it's all about the baby. And the mother, the mother or the birthing parent um, feels that way too, right? Mm-hmm. Like biologically, now your responsibility is this new creature. And so it's, it's really important for the birthing parent to kind of have somebody who is fully on their side while still supporting that biological urge to take care of somebody else. The body goes through tremendous changes postpartum, and there's a lot of uh, glamorization around what that looks like. You know, in the media, we see people getting their body back. It's like, you never lose your body. Your body changes, and it just did something really miraculous and beautiful. And so just normalizing that for people, groups are really, really helpful for postpartum parents. And again, you know, the health at every size principles can really apply here. You know, if you've got a a postpartum person coming to your office, you know, make sure you've got an elevator. If there's a need for it, they might not be able to go up the stairs. Um, You might consider going to them. I think it can, it can definitely be applied. And the perinatal period is kind of a, a magical time to hit those, uh, those, those kinds of topics. Yeah. Especially because really a huge focus of that is the body and how you look, how you look postpartum. I personally have like, I've never been through that in my life, but even as you were saying, you know, when people are like, Oh, nourish, you need to nourish the baby. It's almost so separate, even Mm -hmm. though it's, it's one body you're nourishing yourself and the baby. But it's just, it's so interesting that that's not the wording that we use. And and I was also just, just thinking, um, there's a lot of challenges with breastfeeding that people don't, don't talk about. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're working with someone who has had any kinds of issues around eating or eating disorders, there's like a lot of recording that goes on with, with breastfeeding a baby or formula feeding a baby. Mm-hmm. How much are they eating? How often are they eating? What are you eating? like, what can you take to increase supply? Like it, it, it can be very, very rigid and very stressful. And so that's really something to watch out for. If, if you're working with someone who has had disordered eating or anything like that, 
that can very quickly um, turn severe for somebody. Yeah. And I wonder how that, you know, translates to, I guess, the baby and kind of the impact there. And I, I feel like I also hear, you know, friends and stuff. Oh, my baby's like underweight for their like category yeah. or whatever. It's like from almost birth, there's this like kind of category of weight that needs to be upheld. And so I'm wondering if with the health at every size, you know, there seems like so many benefits to working with people with that. Are there any drawbacks to that philosophy when working with people? Honestly, I mostly see pros from practicing it. Um, people, like I said, they benefit from a perspective that doesn't um, demonize them or kind of suggest that somehow their bodies are, are wrong. The only con might be that if you come on too strong with somebody, you might alienate them. So you just, you really have to kind of read your client and see where they're at and do a lot of your own work. I think people say things that can be very triggering to somebody who does not ascribe to diet culture anymore. Um, and so if you do have a client that's, that's in that realm, um, you really have to kind of manage your own, your own reactions around it. I can imagine that and making sure that the, you know, counter transference with you and your client is, you know, clear. and Right. And really determine if that's something that they want to work on or not. That kind of brings up the other possibility of a client kind of comes in with, with needs that are completely separate from that, but that you see that that's a huge area affecting their life. How would you navigate that kind of situation? So I'll tell you a lot of my clients come in for different things. And then down the line, we realize like, oh, actually you have an eating disorder or you've had an eating disorder um, or like this is really affecting you negatively. Uh, you know, I think as you build the the relationship with the client, it becomes um, easier to point those things out. Um, I do think it's really, really important to do a very thorough assessment at intake. People kind of miss the eating parts just because it's not it's not that common to ask questions beyond like how is your appetite. So really important to ask more specific questions um, because if someone's coming in for anxiety but they're showing very clear signs of an eating disorder, you know, that might be something that you need to address right away versus, you know, waiting for the client to get more comfortable. Yeah. That sounds like a balance of kind of reading the client and their needs and what is kind of the most pressing issue for them that they're dealing with. In the professional field of counseling, how do you work with maybe other professionals that kind of aren't as subscribe to this like framework because it it feels like health at every size and maybe that's just because I'm just learning about it but it's a little bit new and I feel like it's almost considered a little bit radical in some hmm. ways with people I'm wondering if you've any if if you have experienced any of that kind of within the profession and how to deal with people that maybe aren't hmm. kind of as accepting to that new philosophy yeah I mean honestly I, I can't say that I have you know hmm. maybe I've been lucky in working with colleagues or being, you know, being with colleagues who are either educated in this or who are very open to be, ed to being educated. I haven't really run across somebody who is like very openly and outwardly uh, saying things that are kind of, you know, shocking to me. But I think that if, if that was an issue with somebody I was working with, you know, in the counseling profession, you know, the, the first step is to talk to the person directly, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe present it as an, as an ethical issue. 
as an opinion and saying, hey, you know, I come from this eating disorder background. You know, this is kind of the philosophy we ascribe to. Like, what do you think about that? And just Mm -hmm. starting a conversation, something that can be really helpful too is kind of what you're doing. You take it upon yourself to educate other people and have presented, hey, this is something that I'm creating. If you're interested, take a look. I did a, a presentation here for my colleagues and you know, no, nobody had a problem with it. In fact, it was very eye-opening for people. I think, we, you know, thankfully we work in a profession with people who are generally very open-minded, mm-hmm. who want to learn and who want to improve their work with people. That definitely makes me glad to hear that you haven't run into any other you know, super opposing opinions in your space, because I think that does speak to the counseling field and hopefully the open-mindedness and the acceptance that people have working in this field. I'm sure if we went into maybe different areas of profession, that would be a little bit different. Yeah. Well, Um, you know, what came to mind was actually, um, I don't know if you've seen the show, My 600 Pound Life. I've seen clips. I've never watched, like fully watched it. Yeah. So that that actually brings to mind, like there are there are psychologists and counselors out there who ascribe to a very different philosophy. I have yet, but I have not personally <laughs> encountered them, and I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know how I would respond to them. When you are kind of referring people to dietitians and stuff, do you make sure that those people that you're referring them to then kind of are aligned with you and your philosophies? Practice at a health at every size philosophy as well. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, If that's not the case, people can do a lot of harm. Actually in Houston, where I live, there's a a big group, the Houston Eating Disorder Specialists, and it's a website that lists kind of everybody who's in the field and who has training and education. So we all, we all work very closely with each other um, to kind of establish that trust that you're not sending somebody to a person that could do further damage. Yeah. And I imagine as a client, that would be so extremely confusing to go from one professional to the next and say like a health at every size, like acceptance and, you know, meeting you where you're at to somebody who's like, go on a diet, lose weight or yeah. something like that. They'd be like, oh my gosh, like, who do I listen to? Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, I think that this is wrapping up just about all the questions that I have. Maybe as a leaving note though, I would love to know your thoughts about um, either what people like clients or maybe what professionals can do to incorporate health at every size into Mm -hmm. their life and, or into their practice uh, with clients. Yeah. So for counselors, like I said, accessibility is really important. Um, definitely doing your own work. You know, I recommend reading the health at every size book, the intuitive eating book, also super important Mm -hmm. to just kind of get your brain reeducated. Um, Mm -hmm. and just in general, there's many ways, but some practical ones, Mm -hmm. um, wear clothes that fit. If your clothes don't fit comfortably or you don't like your clothes, you know, work towards getting clothes that make you feel happy and comfortable regardless mm. of size. That's like a very easy way to, to practice that acceptance. Enjoy your food. Make time to sit at the table. Make food part of pleasurable, joyful activities. You know, really hard to do with busy lives, mm-hmm. um, but also really, really important. Self-advocacy is really important as well, <clears throat> especially with medical professionals. So a lot of people don't know, you can request not to be weighed at the doctor Mm -hmm. or not to hear your weight. And if your doctor recommends weight loss for medical reasons, uh, you have the right to ask why and how that would help and what other treatments are available. Because often 
doctors will overlook kind of underlying causes of disease when they're working with someone in a larger body. The doctors work for you. So if you don't like your doctor, you can you can switch doctors. <laughs> totally acceptable. And call them out if they make, you know, oppressive comments. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is don't comment on anyone else's body. Mm-hmm. It's not our place. And, you know, if you have kids, trust their bodies. Talk about how their bodies work and what they do for them versus how they look especially you know girls get a lot of messages early on oh you're such a big girl or you're so pretty your eyes are so pretty your hair is so curly you know focus on other things like gosh that was such a funny joke like oh you run so fast you're so strong there's very very different ways to promote focus on the body Um, And I I recently heard something really beautiful. Let your kids take pictures of you. And when you see the picture, talk about how much you love yourself or or how you love something about yourself, even if you don't, right? Because I don't think anybody is is perfectly and completely free of of diet culture. But I think if we can pretend enough, (laughs) then the next generation won't have to deal with as much. I love that. Those are all beautiful things and very tangible as well. I love that, you know, about the clothes. It's something so small that you wouldn't think about, but yeah, you deserve clothes that feel good on you and that fit you. Everybody does. So thank you so much for sharing your tips and your knowledge about this and how you practice this in your practice. Do you want to share some of your socials or your practice so that people can reach out to you um, down in Texas? Sure. Um, I'm a little behind on the social game, but I do have an Instagram and it's a therapy.for.everyone. My website is my name, soniaalbin.com. And you you can find any contact information there. I'm always happy to, uh, to be a resource. Perfect. Thank you so much. It was so nice speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope this was informative and helped you learn more about health at every size. Stay tuned for our next episode where we hear from a medical practitioner in training.